Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. All right, we're excited to be here today with Jaron Erickson from Sales Dojo. Welcome. Hey, thank you. I uh big fan of what you guys have already been doing and I feel like I'm Finally made it if I'm going to be on the show with you. So awesome. <laughs> You've arrived. I don't know. We feel like honored because it's been a few weeks to try to get you on the show. So this is great. And he's an Ironman now. Yeah. Recently completed. Just Ironman. finished an Ironman in North Carolina. That's impressive. And he's building a company at the same time. I don't, I don't know how you balance those two things. Training. <laughs> Dating life as well. <laughs> wink, wink. Thought I'd just throw that in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Jaren's doing it all. We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get a 30 second elevator pitch on what your company's doing. Like, yeah. Well, I built a company called Sales Dojo. And we have one mission, and that's to help more people gain access to careers within the tech industry, specific through, specifically through sales types of routes. So helping people from non, non-traditional backgrounds, underserved communities, be able to come through a program that we specifically train on the skills of being an SDR, or like an outbound sales rep for a tech company. And then we actually have partner companies who will hire pre-trained revetted high caliber SDR talent to go join their teams. So we want to be able to connect high caliber sales reps and train those sales reps um, into like high caliber tech companies where they're able to start careers and start progressing down like an amazing career path. That's awesome. Well, my question, you know, first one is with the layoffs that are happening and the economy the way it is right now, is that problematic for what you're doing simply because companies are letting go of a lot of their Tech, I mean, a lot of their developers and coders, I, I guess the sales function there is still probably as strong as it has been in the past. I don't know, but you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, it's a good question. And yes, yeah, salespeople have been laid off. But I think a lot of times, like from a, the media perspective, we, we always see these like big tech companies. So the most recent one was like Qualtrics. Qualtrics is this big billion dollar juggernaut. That's really hard to move around in the side of an economy. And so maybe we don't have as many people getting hired into big companies like that. But beneath this, this perception of the media, there's all of these startups that are continuing to grow amid like an economic downturn. So some companies have just raised funding. And the first thing a lot of them do once they raise is we need to scale our sales team. So we work with a lot of like Series A, Series B, even like some seed type of companies that are starting to ramp up their sales teams. And sometimes those are even better job opportunities than coming into, you know, like a 20, 10, 15 year type of company. So, yes, it's kind of shifted a little bit, but there's still a lot of companies that are growing, even if like there is an economic downturn. So I assume, I mean, most of the positions, if not all of them, are pretty heavily uh, their compensations based on performance. It's not just a straight salary for a lot of these sales positions, right? Yeah. It's actually a combination of both. And that's, I think what makes one of the, this, these positions like so desirable because a lot of people in sales, like they like commission, like the harder I work, the more I get paid. But tech actually has altered it where they do give you a base salary. um, But then they'll also give you commission on top of that. So it's almost best of both worlds where 
if I want to go above my number and make more, I'm going to go do it. But I still have the stability. If I had a bad week, I'm still going to be able to take care of myself and my family. So I think it's a really progressive type of pay, which I'm a big fan of. Are your clients mainly the, uh, this, these people wanting to get into sales or do you also work with companies to train their internal sales teams? Yeah, great question. So originally we just started out as helping people get hired into tech companies and starting their careers. But we've actually had multiple companies who will reach out to us saying, Hey, I have a sales team. Um, how can we improve their performance? Um, a lot of companies, I think, underutilize an outbound sales motion, but an outbound motion is, it's an engine. Like you got to build it the right way and then it can just run. And so we've actually started doing like internal training for existing teams to help their current sales teams be able to, one, perform better, but then two, even work with like processes to make sure that everything's running smoothly from an outbound type of perspective. So we now do both. Hmm. What are Jared? I mean, this is really cool that you're doing this and, and you're early twenties and you're already building this amazing company. How did you, what was the pathway to get to the, to where you're at now? Yeah. Uh, good question. I feel like my path been kind of all over the place. <laughs> awesome. Those uh, are the best kind of paths. Yeah. How, how it really started was I had, I'd come back from like my mission and I, I came into like the school setting and I was a student athlete at UVU. I was running the hurdles. Go hurdles. Track. Yeah. <laughs> Go yes. track. So I was a student athlete and I was studying business management at UVU. And I kind of got to a point where I was like, you know what? I think I'm kind of done competing on the collegiate level. I just wanted to do other things. So I was just started doing school and focusing on that. I got to a point where I was like, I have no idea what I want to do with my career. I was like, what is business management going to take me? What is that going to get me? And so I ended up talking to my dad who worked for a San Francisco based tech Wait, company. Wait, shout out to your dad. Who's your dad? Shout out Jeff Erickson. Yes. Awesome. You'll find him on LinkedIn. <laughs> but he worked for a company called Carta out of San Francisco. And he kind of came up to me and he said, hey, Jer, you should think about working for one of these tech companies in Utah. There's a big tech scene. I think you'd do a great job. And my first response was, I'm not really like a a tech guy, like a computer person. I don't think I'd really fit in in the tech industry. And he's like, oh, well, you can actually do something like customer facing, like sales. And so I was like, all right, I'll try it and just kind of see what happens. And so I ended up interviewing with Divi at the time and I got hired on at Divi. I had no sales background, had no previous tech experience. I didn't even have a degree. They took a chance on me. And my first year at Divi, I ended up getting promoted like four different times. Wow. Um, And it wasn't because I'm anything super special or I'm better than everybody else, but it's because the company started to grow. They'd hire more people and more people, more people. And so all of a sudden. And these people would be hired underneath you. Is that right? Yeah. They'd just come in and I'd been there longer and had more experience than them. Uh, I was able to move up the ladder. Well, I'm sure you also didn't suck at it. Like. You had to have been doing something right for them to, they would have just kept you at the bottom and hired people above You're you if you weren't humble. doing well. That's right. Yeah. Humble. I mean, work your tail off and good things happen. But, and, and I had great leaders and mentors that helped me get there. But all of a sudden I'd been there for just under a year and a half. I was 22 at the time. 
was making over six figures. I um, was surrounded by amazing leaders and mentors, and I just loved what I was doing. And it hit me. I was like, you know, why don't more people do this? Like, why don't more people know about the tech industry? I mean, the only reason I knew is because my dad was in a tech company. I was like, what about someone else from, you know, a non-traditional background whose parents were in construction or running restaurants? I'm like, these people have, if they could learn how to sell, they could have the same type of job that I have. And so I ended up leaving Divi after their acquisition to Bill. And we started Dojo to help people have the same type of experience that I just walked through um, because it had totally changed my life and we wanted to help other people have that same type of experience. Teaching the skills that you had learned at Divi. Is that kind of what the premise of Sales Dojo is? Teaching them the skills and then connecting them to tech companies where they can get hired and then it's up to them to go kick butt and kind of transform their careers. That's cool. Being the funnel for the companies is cool. Great story. Yeah, I love it. So what is your, I mean, I'm sure you're tracking some metrics with Sales Dojo, right? What are you, what are your placement rates? Maybe is that a metric and maybe number of companies that you're connected to, to, you know, give them reps ready to go. What are some of those things that you're working yeah, on? Great question. So we kind of have two sides when it comes to our placement. So we, we have a lot of like in office Utah companies. So a lot of our students come from Utah um, because we just have a, presence here and we have Utah companies that want to hire in office and so if you're in Utah looking to get into tech sales our placement rates probably and hiring rates close to probably 90 percent of our Utah graduates are getting hired nice now there's some people that come through the program that'll be like actually I don't know if I really want to do this and that's totally fine but if you want to get a job in tech and you're in Utah we probably have close to a 90 percent hiring rate now, we also have like a remote side where we have remote partners with remote students. In fact, we just signed up a student from New Jersey. We were just talking to him before this call. And, uh, you know, we'll be helping connect him to remote opportunities. Now, our remote hiring rates are not quite as high as our Utah ones, but that's our biggest focus right now is bringing on more remote partners. So anywhere between 70 and 80% of our remote uh, graduates are getting hired and that's a number we really want to dial into and start to ramp up because I think that's the future is uh, more remote work and working with more students across the country. Jaron, the other, the other question that comes to my mind for our listeners, especially is, is this just for young, you know, professionals just starting their career or could it be for those that maybe are mid career and want to change? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Great question. That was probably one of my biggest surprises that I've learned over the past two and a half years was who we were working with like for our students. Originally, I thought it would be a lot of people like me. Hey, maybe I didn't go to college or maybe I did go to college, but hey, maybe it's other people that didn't or um, those who had dropped out or things like that. And yes, we do work with some people that fit that mold, but we also work with people that have gone through and do have a bachelor's degree and are, have been working for two to three years and they hate their job. Like they've hit their ceiling and they're like, I don't like what I do. I can't move up anymore. I'm not making very much money. I want to work in a tech company. And so they come reinvest in themselves 
and then they are able to get into a tech scene. So we've had people come through so many bachelor's degrees, even master's degrees, um, people between anywhere between ages 18 to 40. We've worked with people in those age groups. So it's been pretty amazing the broad range of individuals that are wanting a better life or wanting a better career. Um, so that's been pretty surprising for me. So anyone, you got to put in the work, but anyone could go through it. Yeah. I say if you're humble, like willing to learn, and you're hungry, like willing to push yourself, and you want to get into a tech company, then let's do it. But it does take some humility, and it does take like some, some work. So. so what specifically about tech sales is different? Like can somebody from, say, somebody that's been doing door-to-door uh, in that industry, their transition to a tech job, what advice do you have for them or what's different about the application? Yeah, hundred percent. We work with a lot of people that have come from a door to door background that kind of want to transition into a little bit more of a career based, uh, job. Now, when someone comes into the program, what we don't do is say, Hey, everything you think you've learned, like forget it, only do this. But a lot of people do come from backgrounds and sales and other industries and it lays an amazing foundation for them um, now selling in a tech world is a little bit different because one it's all remote even if you're working in an office you're going to be talking to people primarily over the phone or over zoom over email and even like linkedin and things like that so it's different than if i'm talking to a mom and dad on their doorstep with like facial expressions, hands gesture, body posture, all those things. It's different when it's just you, your voice on the phone. And it's also a little bit different when I'm talking to a CEO or a VP or a director at a company um, than just, again, like a mom or dad on their doorstep. So the skills, like, we want to really add on to what someone already has. Never taking away, because experience in any realm is valuable, but you can always fine-tune and continue to improve your skill set to cater it more to the industry that you will be working in. That's cool. Uh, I, and I'm sure you've got to delve into like a certain time frame that they're going to school. Like, is it a three month program or a six month or two year? I mean, what, what's the length or the duration? Yeah, great question. So we run a four week program and we do everything in the evenings. So it's accelerated. Mm-hmm. I would I would imagine because four weeks is a pretty small amount of time. For sure. Like we want to get in, we want to do the work, and we want to get out. That's our goal. And so I'd say 90% of the students we work with are working full-time, whether in like school or like an actual job. So that's why we do it in the evening is because, you know, we don't just work with normal people. Like a normal person doesn't work a full-time job and then put in extra hours after work to be better. But... um those individuals that are willing to to go above and beyond, like those are the ones we want to work with. And so the evening class for those four weeks has been um, a really good fit to make sure people can still work full time, still make money, but then transition easily. Well, in a four week commitment, it seems like it's a little easier to stomach than like a longer term. Mm-hmm. You can do anything for yeah. a month, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dev Mountain. He's I a midnight s- founder. That's right. <laughs> You're going to school at midnight, really. Yeah. He's got a bunch of midnight founders, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It seems like some of the other programs in the area, you know, Dev Mountain and some other coding ones or whatever, that they're 
longer term. I want to say 12 months or 10 months or something. And But this is a little bit more condensed because you're really catering to that working professional that wants to enhance their career. 100%. That's cool. And yeah, if you're going to get into coding or anything like that, I think there is a lot more technical piece. One thing I think that's cool about sales is a lot of companies, and maybe I disagree with this, maybe this is a hot take, but they're always looking for people with sales experience. And I'm like, what is sales experience? Because to me, sales is the ability to build value for someone, like build value in a product, build value in a mission or vision, anything like that. And I think that's actually a very human thing that we do every single day. So maybe you don't have specific sales experience in selling a product or a software, but you can learn those skills pretty quickly because a lot of people have had a lifetime of being able to connect with other individuals, build value in who they are or what they're doing, and then present that value to somebody else. Um, if you're in a relationship, that's that's a big part is being able to build value or like listen, take feedback. Like these are all you could say sales skills, but I think that gives it a bad connotation or context. But I think it's more just a human skill. I think selling is a very human thing that we do. And so I think four weeks of being able to refine that to like a tech approach is very doable. Where Dev Mountain, like I might need to be there for two or three years before I could pick up on anything that they're teaching. Yeah, the coding side would be beyond me too. <laughs> um, okay, one question I have is, uh, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about like if I was going to bring a company in and work with you, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen a ton of them over, over time as you've been building this, what are the mistakes that the current companies are making with their sales teams that should be changed? Mm. That's a great question. Um I think the number one thing that I see is like, again, it comes back to an outbound type of approach. Every company knows that an outbound sales motion is important. Everyone knows it. And they're like, oh yeah, we got to get this outbound going. Now outbound's hard and it takes a unique skill set to be able to perform those tasks. But not only does it take a skill set, I think it takes a culture. And so people and companies need to be building a culture of we're an outbound sales team, period. Anything that comes inbound, it's a cherry on top. Like that's just the, the freebies and the easy. And so I think what happens is a lot of companies, will, their culture will start to shift where they seek easy ways out, where it's like, oh, we do get some inbound and I'm just going to take these freebies like 100%. Like that's what I would want to do. But the best teams are the ones who say we're outbound first. We train the skill set. We practice the skill set together. We do call reviews. We do all of these things. And anything else is just a cherry on top. That's how it was for us at Divi. I mean, we worked through COVID. So we cut all marketing. It was 100% outbound. Um, and so it, it was a cool learning experience for me working through that. But I do think a lot of companies start to slip into the little bit easier way of doing things and the end of the day it's 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 tough it's a grind but that's what it takes that's interesting outbound first i like that and everything else is the frosting on top yeah <laughs> cool um you know I, I am always interested in you know when we have entrepreneurs and founders on the podcast what what drives you jaron what is your why behind all this yeah great good question um 
I think I have kind of two whys. So this is actually something we talk about in the program. A little spoiler. <laughs> we kind of we're getting are, to the heart of it right yeah. now. Yeah, we we spend a day talking about the why because I think it's so important in anything you're doing. So I've had a lot of time to think about it, but I think one side for me is individually, I love high performance. Like I love pushing myself. I say I'm I'm addicted to progression. Like I want to be better. I want to work. I think that's why I do these t- like races. I want to see what I'm capable of. And you're an amazing skier and you did track and yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I like that to, makes a lot of sense. I like to improve. I like working on things. Now, selfishly, I feel like being able to work with these students, again, these students aren't normal people. These are people who have physically invested in themselves with their own money, but also with their own time. And these are people who want to be better. And so selfishly, I get to be surrounded by individuals that are pushing themselves every single day. And a lot of their stories are so inspiring. Like they have been through harder things than I've been through, some of these people. And being able to just learn from our students has been one of the biggest life lessons for me. And so if I'm watching someone else push themselves, I can... I can turn around and push myself at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that ties in my second part is a big mission for me is one, I want to be my best self, but two, I really do want to help others become the best versions of themselves. Like if I could be remembered for anything, I would love to be remembered as someone who's helping other people become the best version that they can be. And I think Dojo's mission embodies that is we are helping people reach a new level or playing field that maybe they're not at. And if I can pull over my heart and soul into that type of mission, then we'll keep going. And so if if it was all about money or anything like that, maybe there's other things I could go do. But if it's about impact and inspiring and changing lives, then this is, this is what I'm going to fight for right here. So... I'm just thinking cool. about like you built this, uh, you know, thing with Divi or working and, and kind of growing up the ladder and what was the process or how did you decide, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or what, where was that point where you decided now nah, I'm going to take off and do my own thing? Like I've got <laughs> this like successful thing going right now and it's great. I'm making all this money. I don't want to make it anymore. Yeah. I want to give <laughs> that away that and do my own thing. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. That, that was a weird step of faith you could say but one of the biggest things that I think led to it was my manager at Divi not because he was bad in fact it was because he was the complete opposite he was the best and he would have these conversations with me he said he he saw something in me that maybe I didn't see at the time but he told me he's like Jaren you don't belong here I was like what (laughs) what does that mean but he'd say like you need to do something else. You need to go and, and pursue some type of other mission or vision that you have. And I was like, at the time, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't understand that. But we started even at Divi talking about, you know, other companies that we could do or ideas. And and at the time, I just realized that, hey, maybe there is something I want to do. I'm still really young. I was only 22. 
And I was like, I still have so much to learn and explore. And so I ended up leaving Divi originally to go back to school. I wanted to go be a professor. I was like, I love teaching. I feel like teaching is a way you can help people reach their full potential. So I went back to school to study psychology because I wanted to be like a, a high performance professor of like, uh, you know, mental performance. And while I was at school, I started just having this idea of a lot of things that my manager and I had talked about. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try it out. And so I didn't chase the money, to be honest, because if I was chasing the money, I probably would have stayed at Divi. But I chased learning and experience and exploration. And that led me back to school. And then that led me to starting a company long term. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's so cool. <laughs> that is cool. Well done. Well, and, and and maybe it'd be cool to hear, I mean, these inspirational stories that you've seen from the students in the program that have changed your life. Share one of those. I'm interested to hear what that's like. Yeah. Um, I won't share any names, but there have been a few. Oh no, share the names. Yeah, share, the, share, names. share the social, yeah. share the banking, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know? Tag them. Um, some have, some have been, amazing like some have come from like a construction type of background where for example one father he had like three kids and he was doing like some construction type of jobs and he had to travel to Wyoming every weekend for like three or four days to go work and he would sleep in Wyoming his wife's at home with the kids he's not making the the most money um and it was tough And he took the chance on us, took the course, and then he ended up getting hired at a great tech company. That gave him full benefits for his family. That gave him higher pay. And that gave him, like, the ability to even work remote from home some days. So along with that, like, he started out as an SDR, but since he's actually become, like, a senior account executive there, where he's now probably making six figures plus, and totally taking care of his family compared to having to travel and be away from them. Um, it was hard to even see because I'm a big family person. Like that means a lot to me. Um, so that one was pretty cool. We've also worked with like single moms who have maybe gone through a divorce who need to get back into the workforce and like single mom, being able to come into the program, like learn these skills and then get hired, be able to take care of her kids has also been like very like moving to be able to work with people like that. He's, he's uh, training the next Amy Reese Anderson. <laughs> That's right. She, she did it in the medical field. She uh, got her start doing the same type of thing. She uh, decided she was working in a clinic and decided to move from being a front office person to selling the software mm. and then eventually owned it and sold it and, yeah, was really successful, but she started out as a single mom trying to make ends meet. And she said the aha moment was when she realized that she put the same amount of effort selling a $10 lipstick. She was doing makeup sales on the side as she would put into a $10,000, <laughs> you know, tech sale. She's like, I'm just going to do more tech sales. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just went from there. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> it was incredible. So, and, well, this has been fun. Uh, I, <clears throat> I think that you're right when you say that selling is a human thing. And so I think like you're focused on tech sales for sure. And I, 
I know just based on what you're talking about, that there are very specific skill sets you have to build to be good at tech sales. But I think that like a lot of probably what you teach is relevant across the board. Um, you know, regardless of whatever industry that somebody's starting a business in. And a lot of the times when you start, when you're the founder of a company, you don't have the ability to hire a sales team. And so you kind of have to wear that sales hat in the beginning on your own. So what advice do you have for that founder uh, that's just started their company? Like what can they do to enhance like something, something, just a nugget. You don't have to give them your whole secret, (laughs) but what what advice do you have for them from a sales perspective? How do they get better? That's such a good question. We've actually, like, we've had a lot of founders reach out to us who have, like, wanted to take the course. And it's not maybe, like, the best fit because, you know, we really focus on that hiring component. But they've, we've had a lot of founders ask, like, hey, can you create, like, a founder-specific cohort? And we're like, you know what, we can kind of think about that. <laughs> so if we get enough people, then we'd love to throw something together. But um, I think sales from a founder's perspective is so, so important Like for me, being a founder, I feel like the only reason I had confidence to actually go and start something is because I knew how to sell. I had sold B2B at Divi for, you know, a while. And I, it hit me where I was like, I'm talking to CFOs, I'm talking to CEOs. I could talk to a VP of sales or whatever about this other product that someone else had created. I was like, well, what if I created my own type of service or product? I was like, well, I already know how to talk to businesses. Now I just change the words a little bit and I'm good to go. So I think the skill set of sales for a founder is essential. Now, if you are a founder and you are looking to improve your sales, I think one of the biggest things you can do would have to be to just um, find ways to practice and then find ways to learn. So if learn how to do a cold call yourself, you got to learn how to do it yourself. And the only way you're going to learn is by actually going and doing it. Or, you know, you're going to have to learn how to set up a process. You got to do all these things yourself before you can actually hire somebody on to do it. Because I think once you know how, then it allows you to have the experience or the understanding of how to hire somebody else. And so being a founder, there's a million things you got to do. And I face this. Like, I still have so many weaknesses as a founder. It's, like, frustrating. <laughs> but... Uh, you got to learn how to do it yourself and then you got to be able to find someone else that can do it long term. So there's a lot of ways to learn. If Dojo's one, talk to me. But there's also a lot of other things that you can learn, try and practice, but you just got to do it. And that's the best type of experience you can get. So I don't think that's helpful for a lot of people. They're probably like, that's the worst advice you could ever give. Like I'm trying, but at the end of the day, that's what it's going to take is just continuing to try, continuing to refine. And then once you understand it, um, find someone else that can do it for you. (laughs) Not be afraid of failing along the way. Is that what you're saying? I think so. You're going to fail no matter what in sales, even if you're the best. Yeah. Just, uh, just a random question that popped into my mind, Jaron. I'm sure you're looking at certain industry leaders and thought leaders for your inspiration, who, who do you follow? Who do you listen to? Who do you um, digest as far as uh, sharpening your skill set and keeping yourself polished? That's a good question. Um, I think like from a founder's perspective, I think the, one of the guys that inspires me more than anybody, and he probably doesn't know this, like he doesn't even know me that well, but Ben Peterson 
founder of Bamboo HR. Mm. I ha- I've had brief conversations with him. Ben, we need you on the podcast. If you're listening, let's get you on. <laughs> ben, I want you to take me to lunch. I'll pay <laughs> if you're listening to this. But um, one of the things that I've, I had a brief conversation with Ben Peterson. And one of the things he taught me, you look at Bamboo, billion dollar company. It's a huge company. They employ like a thou- over a thousand people. It's amazing what they're doing. But he told me, he said, Bamboo HR was 15 years of hard work. And he's like, whatever you water grows. That's what he said. Whatever you water grows. And I think in Utah, we kind of have, maybe it's just the tech industry in general. We really view it as like, get in, hurry and grow as fast as you can, like pour fuel on the fire and try to make that five-year exit. Ben's perspective was really inspiring to me where he's like, honestly, that can happen. And it's amazing when it does. But realistically, it's going to take 10, 15 years of consistent hard work in order for you to get to where you want to go. And I think that's helped me more than anything because there's some amazing days as a founder. You're like, this is the best thing ever. And then there are hard days where you're just like, I, I don't think I can do this. Like everything's falling apart. And, and for me, it's just been, I'm going to keep going. And I think that's been what has helped us be successful is we just keep going. We don't stop. And when you keep going, good things happen. You catch breaks. You learn new things. So I think Ben Peterson, for me, in the way that he prioritizes business and family as well, has been really inspiring. That's cool. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, uh, if they want to reach out to you, if they want, if our listeners are interested in and being part of the co- next cohort, how do they find you? 100%. I think, number one, like LinkedIn. Feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Um I, I feel free to message me. I always try to get back to people that will message me and whatnot, but you can also go to salesdojo.com. So that actually has like information about the course, but you can also apply to join one of the cohorts, number one. And if you put that, you listen to this then I'll just reach out to you directly, <laughs> but um, uh, you can apply there. But also if you're looking to hire like anyone on your sales team or like to have your sales team kind of like be specifically trained in outbound type of efforts, you can also book a call there with our team. So anyone from applying to a cohort or hiring SDRs, they can find that on salesdojo.com. We'll line up a meeting and talk then. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. It's been awesome, Jaron. Good to have you here. You guys are awesome. I feel like I made it. So You've made you. it. You've arrived. <laughs> thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Thanks for all you're doing as a midnight founder and making the world better, Jaron. Appreciate it. See ya. Talk. Bye. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.